I am Sarah Riggs, and this is Invitation to the Species. This moment of our present invites us to pivot with a knowledge of the past and our feeling of the future. Nothing less than transformation is occurring to the often further detriment of many, to the contributed profit of some. And any transformation in deep and resounding positive directions depends upon movements, many of which are already well underway, even have been all along, and some which come from or are nudged by artists and intellectuals. So here we are, Tamas, the word for connection in Arabic, that has worked since 2004 between the US, Morocco, and France in film, poetry, and dance, translation, and with Moroccan girls. This is our new branch, Earth Arts Justice, and we have launched a series of podcast video interviews, sometimes with reading performances, with thoughtful members of our community of artists and people at large. We are asking folks to think about what thoughts of their grandparents' and parents' lives could bring to the present moment and how their own work and lives connect to collective ecosystems, health balances, and to our climate. Each participant receives one or more questions that is specifically connected to their work and experience. Welcome to Invitation to the Species. Welcome, Safa Fatih, to Invitation to the Species. Uh, you're known primarily as a poet and a filmmaker, and our relationship has gone for further than a decade. And I found a poem of yours uh, toward the beginning of when the pandemic was really hitting Paris and New York City, where we were respectively and are now. And I wanted to start by reading this poem because Though it's from 1987, it seems to really speak to our moment. It's called The City. The streets of the big city are in summer morning, and its air a wan breath. At the frontiers, deserts prepare. Place is a hostage, and big eyes shine with darkness. The heart of this city is a liquid full with finitude. The ways leading to the sky stop at the confines of the clouds. And on their heights, symbols of deafness repose. Deaf is the air. On the city launches an epidemic, and the passerbys, to avoid the street, jostle, bristle against each other. They swallow the stagnant air on cafe terraces. Empty of birds, the sky of this ancient city their children dance in complete quiet. Its inhabitants stop and stop exhausted. They get used to it. Would you be willing to read the poem in Arabic? Yes, of course, I will. Al-Madinatu. Shawara al-Madinatu al-Kabira. Hidadun saifi. Wahawauha. Nafthatun bahita. على الحدود تتأهب الصحارة المكان رهينة 
والأعين الواسعة تبرق بالسواد قلب هذه المدينة سائل غني بالموات الطرق المؤدية للسحاب الطرق المؤدية للسماء تتوقف عند حدود السحاب وعلى المرتفعات ترقد رموز الصمم أصم هو الهواء على المدينة وباء يسحف والمارة لكفادي الطريق يتنافسون يتعاركون ويلتهمون الهواء الراكد على المقاهي مقفرة من الطيور سماء هذه المدينة العتيقة أطفالها في هناء يرقصون وقاطنوها المرهقون يتوقفون ويتوقفون يتعودون وعلى المآذن المطربة تصرخ أفواه متعبة صرخة أخيرة Safa, it's so beautiful to hear you speak about a city in the midst of an epidemic and the stagnant air, the passerbys. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, your coming from Alminya in Egypt near Cairo and your ancestors, who you draw from and how it feels to be in the city of Paris, or when you visit for long chunks of time as you do each year in Egypt, the sense of the previous generations as we're slowed down in time during this period. I mean, um, I still don't know exactly very well where I live. Is there something very strange about displacement and this kind of sense there is something which grows in me with time as a distance, as a, um, a memory, um, a landscape. Something is drawn within me, but it is living there somewhere. And when I run, when I travel to meet it back, I cannot meet it really. I, I, I try to recall it and it doesn't come or or comes in a very very strange way very uneven very um disharmonic um something which has to do with that past you're talking about the past has been very <coughs> haunting for me pasts always haunt not just my past, any past haunts. It's a haunting past. It's a past full of symbols, um, terrible stories, and plight, and, and specifically plight of women. Um, I come from an area in the south of Egypt, um, at the outskirts of the desert, probably from Bedouin background, um, where women become, with the age, with the time, they become some, they acquire some very, very archaic power. 
but at the beginning of their lives as girls, they have to go some kind of very harsh initiation to be somewhere um, near the possibility of um, of being, just being. So I want to remind everybody that I come from Minya, the extreme south of Minya actually. And uh, my father comes from a village, my mother comes from another village. It's an area well known for very ancient practices like excision. It's also an area very well known for very archaic practices like, you know, violence against women, uh, specifically, you know, very, very, very strong sexual restrictions and, uh, and uh, measures of um, of restrictions against the movements uh, any girl could could do. Um, I am, uh, in my generation, I'm the first one who went to university. I was uh, among all sorts of cousins. Um, they all married at the age of 18, or sometimes earlier than that. I'm the only one probably, yes, the only one. I went to university, some people, some others followed, but in younger generation, much younger generation. <clears throat> there were some educated women in the family, but uh, they were kind of distant relatives, basically. My mother wasn't educated. Uh, so we, we are here speaking about very basic things, eh? the right to education, for example, which was not granted. Very, very basic things, eh? the right to say yes or no to be married to a husband. Uh, uh, in my family, it wasn't a practice. You know, girls knew that they were engaged or they were playing with other comrades in the streets. Um, there are also sort of like really, really, we're talking about very, very simple basic rights. Yet, I'm very, very, very strongly attached to this area, to my family to even people in the village, and I kept very good relationships with them. And actually, there is a film I made, but it's not one of the films we are shown because it wasn't mine, really, where I talk to them. Uh, um, I write a lot about them. Many, many of my reference, they're my, a basic reference for me, my aunts, and I must say as well, some of my uncles, my mother's brothers, they were also very, very um, close people to me. Uh, and I've learned to read because my uncle, one of my uncles had a huge library right inside that village. So that to say how contradictory things were and how they, you know, the, the same people who would practice certain, certain forms of, of oppression would also be very funny people at the same time, or they could also um, provide you with the books you need to, to become somebody different from them. Um, there were political discussions in these areas. So it was like, um, it was like uh, yeah, 
a lot a lot of ingredients which helped me as a person but could have been very fatal to, to some others I've seen things which were very very sad or witnessed them very sad so that's that's the place it's scenery is um, the, the relationship between the sand dunes the water and the green of the fields is a very constitutive of my being actually the very first poem I wrote in my life I wrote it because I saw that from the roof of my mother's my grandparents in the village and I was looking at the roof and you see churches because it's a very Coptic very ancient as well pharaonic pharaonic and Coptic uh, village and you see minarets very little minarets but you see churches and then you see an extension of sand and yellow, golden dunes. Just next to it, there is like a big canal coming out of the river called Joseph Sea. I wrote hundreds of times about Joseph Sea. And next to it, there are these fields, these green fields. And it's like, yeah, when first, it's what gave me the poem. Because the first time I saw that, I wrote a poem. Not the first time, the first time that touched me, came to me, you know. Mm. I wrote a poem about it when I was eight. Mm. Yes, and I think my, my question dovetails with a question that Alia wanted to ask. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm uh, very moved listening to you, uh, Safa, because I can relate to your experience in many ways as someone who also you know, left um, the place that I grew up in years ago and also experienced this um, back and forth of not knowing really where I live. And I was struck when you said that because it's, uh, you know, the concept of Gurba, which I was thinking about, which really doesn't have like a proper translation in English because it's so particular to the experience of uh, like displacement and uprooting in the Arab world, and um, yeah, I I I'm thinking about this notion of not like constantly wanting to arrive and not being able to arrive, and this circular motion of um, going between places and trying to find some kind of anchorage, but also recognizing that that may never happen. And I don't know if that's your experience, but it it sometimes feels like mine in some ways. And I was wondering if you can speak to this concept of Ghurba and also what are the things that you find um, yourself doing or practicing in order to reconcile with that feeling of never arriving or not knowing where you live, even if You've lived in one place for a very long time. Thank you, Alia. Um, I uh, felt from your facial expression that um, uh, that uh, I was I was translating something which you also might also feel, and um, I, you know, it, 
it can be a common experience. Maybe it is just to do with women, but it can be a common experience. Um, it took me a long time, a long, long, long time uh, to accept that I will never arrive to coincide with my past or to coincide even with a certain presence. It took me a long, long time and a lot of pain and a lot of work. Uh, I wrote my first book here where the poem comes from the city. Um, here in, in, in Paris, although the, some of the poems were noted when I was back in Cairo. Actually, I didn't start writing the poems in Paris. I started writing the poems in East Germany. I had to go so far. That's also one of the conditions of this exile, of not arriving, that I had to go so far and so in such, a, such um, an alien environment to be able to write. Because before that, I couldn't. I couldn't, I, I wrote these little poems as a kid when I was in Egypt. As a young woman, I did some writing, but I didn't, I, writing didn't claim me and I didn't claim writing. And poetry didn't claim me and I didn't claim poetry. And um, when I arrived here in France, I would like sometimes feel the urge to write a poem and come out of the metro and sit down on the platform and write something in. And then, but I will hide it. It's it's not me, and it's not doesn't belong to me. So I'm saying this is constitutive of experience of writing. That non coincidence, it's for me was vital for to be able to write. And um, although there is part of me, there is the person you know, the the little girl who wanted to coincide and find find even. Uh, the fantasy of belonging. At the same time, that same very person, in fact, managed to arrive somewhere through the process of non-coincidence or not arriving. That is, um, it was funny. I was a funny person for my family when I lived long time in France, and they they were reassured about. My pl their place, my affection for them, and the fact that I would not be a traitor to them because the treason is also a haunting, a haunting thing, you know. After I, when I married, when I, I married a Scotsman, a man from Scotland, I took him there. I took him to the village, and he could sit with him and have a good laugh with him, and he speaks a little Arabic, so he could. He could communicate a little bit. So there is something was reassured about that. And this reassurance allowed them to look at me and find some image uh, that had become a mirror of some sort in my difference, in my aloofness, in my strangeness, in my uh, exile. So the exile was the condition. The absolute condition for me to to recognize myself as myself, as me, as they say, as my ipsity, my my recognition of myself as myself. 
So it, in one hand, there is like, so I decided that it doesn't matter. And I decided, although I write in Arabic and I write um, in literary Arabic, and it is a language which uh, I can sculpt very well, uh, it doesn't matter. I've, I, I am a real cosmopolitan, that is, a real citizen of the world. I decided that I'm going to become that one. Not decided, I felt this is like, this homelessness is exactly the right place for me. So I decided that my first poems are written in literary Arabic, but in East Germany, that uh, I write in French, that I write in, um, in English, that, uh, you know, if, if, yeah, I, I, I remember when I started learning Spanish, I was in Mexico and we were sitting in a class of some sort. I wrote a poem in Spanish. Um, I decided, it's not I'm decided or it has been decided for me that, um, fine, I'm part of a fabric which I ignore, a fabric um, which is... Uh, transnational, translinguistic, and uh, in that fabric, some people wouldn't find me authentic maybe, but um, that is as authentic I, as I can be is within that non-belonging. And sometimes people do see me as an authentic, also not just in languages, it's also in art forms because I, I write, and I write different things. I write plays, and I write poetry. Started with poetry, of course, and continue with poetry. But I wrote plays. I write uh, philosophical essays, um, literary criticism, and I make films, documentaries. I made some small feature, and I make film poems. So, I mean, you know, the, the scope of the things I do are quite fast, vast. Uh, so it's not just the ancrage, as you called it, it's not just in language, it's also not an art form. It's, although, I mean, you know, there is a starting point, which is the poetry and the writing, but, you know, I, I tackled the image, I tackled the movie, I tackled the... Uh, I tackled writing in uh, austere form, that is literary criticism or philosophy, although philosophy is not austere. Uh, poetry, plays, uh, I wrote in English, I wrote in French, I wrote in Arabic. Um, so, I mean, um, it's that kind of um, displacement, which is like, uh, yeah, it's like flying, flying. Mm -hmm.